Today's episode of Wine Time Fridays is brought to you in part by our friends at Bottle Joy and the Social Web. Introducing Bottle Joy, the Inland Northwest premier bottle shop and tap house. Located at 1208 East Sherman in Coeur d'Alene, Bottle Joy is a new libation establishment for folks to peruse and enjoy. Visit BottleJoyCDA.com or call 208 930-1922. Are you a small business owner that's ready to grow your business through social media without having to hire a full-time staff or a third-party company? Honor your business and yourself and become educated in social media. Visit thesocialweb.news for more information. The Social Web and the Social Web Inner Circle. Helping you untangle the web of social media marketing. I like the beer pitcher idea. It, it, it's pitcher. again, it works great. We yeah. saw something. It's a hell of a lot easier to clean than a decanter. <laughs> we saw cool. something on TikTok. Just throw your wine in a blender and take it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what not, did. not. I was like, wow, that's really. Not, not gonna do that. Sorry. You want to aerate? Suppose you're gonna take a wine. It's gonna over the hill and down all in one. <laughs> the ninja, the ninja blender. The ninja, the ninja blender. Ninja hey, throw some crushed ice in there. It's been a long week, right? Are you ready to wind down? Why not? It's time for the Wine Time Fridays podcast with Shelly and Phil. Neither are sommeliers, but both have a deep passion for life, each other, and of course, delicious wine. And now, here to talk about this week over a glass of wine is Shelly and Phil. It's wine time. That's it. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Wine Time Fridays with Shelly and Phil and another guest, Shelly. You wanted it and we are doing it. We are having guests this year. Yes. And so um, before we get to that, let us just say this is episode 148. Happy Friday. It's wine time. Happy Friday. Since we have the new YouTube channel, Shelly is now uh, looking at the camera much more than I am. Hi. Uh, but people on YouTube, this is Edward Holmes with Jay Bookwalter. Edward, thank you for spending some time with us uh, today talking through what two, four, six wines that Jay Bookwalter uh, produces, creates. And this is just a partial list, but man, what a lineup. We have actually had two of these uh, six within the last couple, three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when we were pouring at the hospice event, sure. but, uh, you have some really fun things that we're going to be doing today. Some, some comparing yeah. and to get into the story of Jay Bookwalter, um, it'd be my, uh, suggestion and hope that we could pour that first wine. Absolutely. While we, uh, and we'll taste it while we, uh, this is going to be. Oh, look, we have different glasses all around. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. We're going to got to keep it Heck tight. yeah, you do. Goodness yep. sake. Tight and right. Tight. <laughs> uh, so we are starting off with the Chardonnay. Yeah. This is their, uh, we call this, uh, this is the, um, the uh, yes. Uh, I want to say Peters, but it's not. Sounds like. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, readers is there. Readers, there we go. Right. Elvis Costello has a show I called Spectacle. Well, 
I knew it was glasses, but I was thinking papers. It takes all the fun out of it. This is a uh, 2021 Reader's Chardonnay that we're going to toast up to health, wealth, abundance, gratitude, Shelly, and of course, the most important. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Yeah. I owe good will to energy to recover that. Uh, during Christmas, absolutely. Excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> and good will to all men. Mm. Yes. So. so today we have a really cool opportunity to dig through the kind of lion's share of our portfolio. We have an introduction to our readers uh, tier, which is Reader's Chardonnay. We do Savion Blanc, Merlot. Cabernet and a Syrah. Uh, I grabbed our 2021 Shard today because it's got a wonderfully uh, complex flavor profile and a really cool story behind it. Um, we're going to compare that, taste and compare it to our 2021 Double Plot Chardonnay. And I love the opportunity to taste same vintage, different expression. Yeah. And one of the cool things about this is the Reader's Chardonnay is 70% Chardonnay, 30% Viognier. Oh. And aged 100% in stainless steel. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask. On the nose, that's exactly what I'm getting. And even um, tasting this, I'm not getting... Well, now I can say, no, I'm not getting any oak. But I was thinking, there's not a lot of oak on this. But there's a creaminess. Yeah. Um, what is the residual sugar on this? If there's a little VNA in there, I'm just so, kind of curious. So it's, under, uh, it's under a gram per liter. Um, so what you have right here is a very dry white wine. That luxurious mouthfeel and that kind of presence that you'd otherwise associate, associate with sweetness or RS mm. comes from Viognier. Viognier is a grape that usually you let hang to fully develop before you pick. Get those sugars. Sure. Yeah. Uh, especially in like Condrio and areas um, on the eastern side of France where the wine needs um, that extra time as the days are getting shorter and the temperature is lowering, you need that longer exposure. We don't need that so much in eastern Washington. We still have high heat rolling right through October. Yeah, so you we, can. Yeah, so actually, and you needed it last year. Last year we did. Yeah, you needed it last year because of that late spring start, right? Twenty one, we didn't need it. Yeah, twenty one was a hot year. And the other thing is, is that what we consider uh, a hot year. Most other wine producing regions outside the Rhone, it's like, oh my, we're dying hot. Um, so. The problem when it comes to domestic Viognier, I think as most consumers might recognize, is it tends to be more on the flabby side. But really great Viognier has that nice acidity. So it's acidity versus mouthfeel versus that um, kind of floral, perfumey character, a little mm. spice to it. For us, we love being able to blend this in with Chardonnay because it almost takes up the... It's, it, it covers the absence of oak. So it gives you mouthfeel. It gives you that floral component, right? And by the way... This finish Not pretty. is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's uh, like right when you swallow, then you've got this still burst coming on the back of my tongue, and it's still there now. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing it's, well, finish. What a, this, is a, this is the wine. So I met John Bookwalter about 15 plus years ago at a trade tasting. I was working for, obviously, another winery, uh, and John was there, and mm -hmm. John is... A, a, is a character. He's, you know, he's big personality, super bright, 
doesn't take himself too seriously. And his focus has always been on really making premium wine out of mm. Washington State. Uh, following the footsteps of his father as, a, as kind of a pioneer viticulturist in Washington. And I go over to taste through the wines, looking for his reds. And I try this wine that at that point was called Couplet. Couplet. A couplet. And I go, Jesus. Shit, what is this? And he goes, oh, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's Chardonnay blend. I go, it's delicious. He goes, yeah, it's stainless steel. It's a little Viognier threw it in there. I'm glad you like it because I'm like, wow, this is really good. So at the end of the tasting, I horse trade with him for a few bottles of it, right? I go home. I throw it down in the cellar. At that point, I'm remodeling a house in downtown Seattle built in the 40s. And I excavate all around the house because I bring new plumbing in. Well, doing that... You need to put a drain in, knowing downtown Seattle, you've got to put a little drain in there. Yeah, would have been smart. Yeah. You should have been there then. Instead, I break the homeostatic bond between clay and concrete, which I didn't even know existed. But I did when it started to rain, because every drop of moisture in Wedgwood came into our basement and flooded it to about two feet deep. So I'm down there with a shop vac, because I haven't gotten a sump pump yet, because I'm that dumb. And I'm hauling buckets of water out. I'm trying to watch it go down. Meanwhile, I have a labels oh. across and it's oh, going no. into the holidays I mean literally um, at that point my family they're gone I'm just there man against water <laughs> and I grab from one of the upper tiers this bottle of couplet and I opened it and I'm drinking it out of the bottle and I go holy <laughs> shit this is delicious so on the back is the number to the winery and I send him a voicemail where I'm like hey John this is at home so I'm there remember me and Mr. Matrera by the way, I'm just drinking your couplet right now. And this is yeah. phenomenal. So fast forward a few years go by. I don't see couplet anymore, but I keep asking about it. Because I've told the story a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And he says, ah, you know, I don't call it couplet because no one knows what a couplet is. But people do know what Chardonnay is. So we make sure that it's using the in America. Yeah. Usually <laughs> 80% um, Chardonnay drops down to 75 on, on time. But we co-ferment. That's the other key thing. Co-ferment it with the Viognier, so you're yeah. not you're not bending blending post fermentation, right? So you get that full integration of flavors. So you are in the stainless barrel, yeah. with the Viognier, thirty percent, and with is it right seventy thirty seventy? It's uh, it's eighty twenty eighty twenty yeah, rule yeah. at play. Eighty percent Chardonnay, yeah, sometimes seventy five, eighty twenty. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, and and the co-fermenting used to be a wine time. Friday's one word of the week uh, because it's very interesting what that is because a lot of people will just take the barrel of Chardonnay and the barrel of Viognier and they'll start playing and taste testing, right? You're, by doing this, you're kind of committed. 100%. So you'll taste before putting it in the barrel to find out, okay, what are the profiles of these two wines? I think we can get away with doing 80% Chardonnay on this on this production in 20 Viognier. Let's go with that. And we hope that's going to turn out that way. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of that also leads into the background and story of both John Bookwalter and certainly his father, Jerry Bookwalter. Jerry, yeah. When it comes to sourcing, uh, when it comes to quality of fruit, uh, when John took over winemaking from Jerry, John, John, um, in 97, came back in. Uh, his father started Book Walter Winery in Pasco. And uh, John, meanwhile, was working at a college uh, with both Gallo and then at Coors mm. in, in sales and marketing. Gallo is a good place to be educated. It really is. I don't care if you're selling phone books, <laughs> copiers, money, 
houses, cars. If you have Gallo training, you're, you have a leg up. You really do. Yeah. Uh, and then beside it all, you also have the largest production facility of wine in the world. Um, so his sales training came there. He was at Coors for marketing as well and really understanding the three tier system. Right. Came back home and said, Hey, I think we can do this better. Uh, and in 97 took over marketing in 00 moved into winemaking and then hired a consultant in the way of Zelma Long okay. from CME in Napa. Okay. Uh, came up and she was on board as a consulting winemaker and literally gave him, as he says, he goes, I was a sponge. You know, she just gave the deep dive and she just said, you know, with this quality of Bordeaux varietals, this really should be the style that is presented. Right. How can you cultivate and maintain a consistent flavor profile that's linked to that? Then he in turn hired a consultant in the way of Claude Gros out of Bordeaux to come over and to also, again, focus on making sure these are wines that have ageability and preserve the quality of expression from vineyard to bottle. And where is this again? This is in West, West, Richland, West Richland. So Tri-Cities. Tri-Cities, gotcha. Yeah, so is, and what's the uh, latitude um, comparison to Bordeaux and Tri-Cities? Isn't it pretty close? Yeah, we're north, further, further north. Okay. Not a lot, Okay, but, but further north. I mean, okay. you, you, you look at more California, northern California is more more truly on the uh, on the latitude line, where I think we're latitude at 46. So just a little bit, little bit, little bit north. We're yeah. California, a little south, we're a little bit north. Um, the irony is that you know, when, when you think of Washington wine, everyone thinks of Walla Walla. And Walla Walla is great for, for a weekend away. And some of the best wines, best noted wines from Washington are from there. But the Columbia Valley, mm. such a ginormous AVA. Huge. Huge. It's got sub-AVAs all over it. All over yeah. it, yeah. And, and within it, you get so much character and so much volume and so many sub AVAs that can really refine to what someone wants. So when you drive to the Tri-Cities, and everyone of course jokes about the Tri-Cities, you know what, you know, and if you, if you go through the Tri-Cities, you see what the jokes are about. You go, I mean, are we still in Washington? And this is like Arizona meets Nevada, yeah. but there's a river there. That's why I call it Yakima, Yaka Vegas. Yaka Vegas, Yakistan. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but then you look at it, what it means for agriculture mm. and it's second to none. The whole Columbia Valley, especially as you drop down to the Tri-Cities and for wine, people talk about Red Mountain. It, people that aren't familiar with Washington, when they hear Elfin Mountain, Red Mountain, Rocks Vineyard, they lump it all together. Mm. Well, Rocks, now you're talking Walla Walla, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Red Mountain, that's Benton City. Mm. That's, that's, that's just east of Prosser. Right. That's not Walla Walla. Right. But it's awesome in itself. Sure. And the growing wine regions of Washington far extend Walla Walla. Uh, that's not taking anything away from Walla Walla wines. They're absolutely stunning. And a rising tide floats all boats. And I exactly. love the fact that Walla Walla is 45 minutes east of us. But all these wines represent vineyards that are really based just north and northwest of the Tri-Cities. Um, which also leads back to Jerry Bookwalter, who in 1975 moved from the San Joaquin Valley uh, for a job in viticulture uh, with Sagemore Vineyards. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point out of the Tri-Cities and was largely responsible for not only planting but managing Sagemore Vineyard, Bacchus Vineyards, mm. Dionysus, and then Connor Lee. Um, all of which 
or notorious vineyards. Notorious vineyards for, for excellent fruit propagation, fruit propagation. Yeah. And their name precedes them. Yeah. Truly. So, you know, the Bookwalter family came from 10 generations of, of, of farming. Uh, his father graduated from UC Davis in 63, moved to Washington in 75. The rest of the family moves up in 76. And there they stayed. Yeah. Um, John grew up in Dionysus Vineyard. Uh, so these are wines that he understands from the dirt to the bottle, um, which is really pretty exciting. As we, as we jump from the next wine into Double Plot, which is 100% Connerly Vineyard, right. um, you're going to notice a massive flavor profile change. Well, um, you know, having tasted that, I, I'm, <laughs> I, was, I, I may have pleaded a little bit <laughs> with, with Edward. Can, can we try that? Double plot again because it's it's sensational. Did this winery always was called Jay Bookwalter, or yeah, was it? It started as Bookwalter. Okay, then, that's then, then, then it evolved into Jay Bookwalter. The reason I was going to ask if it was Jay Bookwalter after Jerry, um, what if they named John Bill? Would that would have screwed travesty. everything up. But he was born before they moved to Washington. There you go. And but I think it's kind of cool because there's Jerry, there's Gene, John's mom, and then there's John. Uh, and the great thing is, you know, I came on to them very recently, mm. but, you know, Gretchen and John, it's so family organized. There's essentially 13 people in the winery, uh, the bulk of which are married to or with the name Book Walter as, as part of their title. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that John has been doing this now, you know, we're now in our 40th year. Uh, Jerry started the winery in 1983. Um, you know, I, I have the luxury of being able to be a part of blending and tasting and looking at component samples mm-hmm. and vineyard samples as they come in with Chance Cruz and our winemaker and John overseeing all winemaking. John's mind is almost um, photographic when it comes to being able to go, yeah, I know this lot, I know that lot, I know that lot. It's I just know, not fair. Yeah, I know the last 15 vintages, no, the last 25 vintages. Yeah. And I know why we're sourcing this and what we're going to, what oak we're going to marry it to. It's not, it's not rolling the dice. No, I mean, no. There's, there, there, there's kind of a, there's a romance and a luxury of the artist. The winemaker is an artist, which is cool. Yeah. But there needs to be a backbone of science if you want it to be consistent and if exactly. you want it to be good. Exactly. Um, and that's, 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 that's kind of the goal. It's not kind of the goal. That is the goal at Bookwalter. So what's the price point of this first Chardonnay? Uh, great question. So the first Chardonnay looking about $18.99 oh for the reader's Oh, my gosh. Shop. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so here's the deal. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our friends down at Bottle Joy because uh, we need to switch out one of the, the shards to the correct shard. Am I right about that? That's perfect. So um, Kurt... Grady and Joy Grady, who own Bottle Joy, is the reason that we're doing this today because Kurt connected Edward and myself. And uh, it seems like only yesterday we talked for the first time, and here we are recording. That's pretty awesome. And I love that. So when we come back, we're going to get into the double plot Chardonnay. Excellent. Looking for a premier libation establishment in Coeur d'Alene to enjoy premier wine and beer? Look no further than Bottle Joy. Located at 1208 East Sherman in Coeur d'Alene, Bottle Joy is a new libation establishment for folks to peruse and enjoy. 
No matter your taste, their extensive wine, beer, and cider list will have what you're looking for. And if you're looking for a poor decision that turns out great, their Poor Decisions Wine Club, spelled P-O-U-R, is for you. They still have a couple of their wine club spots available, but you'll want to act fast. Each wine club member gets a quarterly release of two to three bottles of red wine for $250 per quarter, along with other swag and events planned throughout the year. A food truck is permanently parked outside offering a rotating menu and they have live music on most weekends as well. For more information, please visit BottleJoyCDA.com or simply call 208-930-1922. BottleJoy, the Inland Northwest premier bottle shop and tap house. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. Man, we are having fun here with Edward Holmes of J. Bookwalter. And uh, he has called an audible, which will be fantastic on account of we're going to taste through an extra wine. So uh, we just got done with the readers. We did. And if Chardonnay. Read, yeah, readers is still in this. In the uh, same. Mine was here. Yep. Okay. Same glass. So just give it, give it a quick. He'll hold this. So this is still the readers. Yep. Oh, you read. Re- yep. Just, yeah, just, re- okay. just revisit. Oh, because we're going side by side yep. with the double ply. Yeah. Okay. So just revisit the readers just for a second. Just get that mouthfeel, the little sensory aspect to it, and then we're going to jump into our 2021 double plot Chardonnay. Double plot Chardonnay. This is um, to me. Chardonnay out of Washington's always kind of been an orphan. There's no real defined flavor profile for Chardonnay out of Washington. Um, we have some excellent Chardonnays mm. being produced in Washington. But there isn't like a defined flavor profile. Like you find like, oh, it's a Sonoma Chard. Oh, that's a Russian River Chard. Oh, that's a Santa Barbara Chard. Um, you have a little bit more creativity. People are trying to still figure out what, what it's really going to be like. Yeah. What is a Washington Chard? <laughs> yeah. Connor Lee Vineyard. I think probably produces some of the highest quality con- and consistency mm-hmm. um, of Chardonnay out there. And we've been making one for a very long time. This is 100% uh, Connerly Chardonnay, 100% French oak for fermentation and for aging. Uh, whole cluster press, surly aged for 10 months. Mm-hmm. So what you get out of this... Not overly oaked, though. Well, and that's the beauty of knowing your fruit. You can be judicious in the use of oak by marrying second or third or even neutral use oak with new French oak. Um, but you can be heavy-handed depending upon what's coming in versus acid. So this has got a high, a beautiful pH to it. It's got high, nice high acid, bright, beautiful flavors. The oak that we're using complements those fruit flavors. So you get that almost like, um, have you ever grilled, grilled coconut? I'm not coconut, grilled pineapple? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which is awesome, eh? Hey, it's just like a coconut being grilled, although sure. it melts. Yeah, it does melt. It tastes <laughs> a little tricky, uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't taste nearly as chardonnay like as I like to it. But um, you know, the beauty of, 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 of pineapples, it's got that wonderful, juicy, tropical expression. Um, then if you mix in a little Meyer lemon, little Asian pear, mm. now you're getting the combination of fruit which is your Chardonnay, marrying with some of the spice that you pull out of oak tannin and oak aging. Um, that marrying should be seamless. And the longer it sees, um, both in bottle uh, and in oak, should create a better quality expression. So this, you know, enough of me yammering. Let's start. Hashtag. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, we can do that. 
I'm getting a little concrete egg in this too. You know, you might think you are, <laughs> but you're not. You, you know, I, I, oh, I, damn it. I, I, <laughs> the mouthfeel on this is extraordinary, though. I was making it up about the concrete egg because I thought this one had 25% concrete egg. No, we, 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 we have concrete egg in the, in the winery, and we use it for a number of different expressions. Double pot is not one of them. Gotcha. Um, but it's near... <laughs> you know, maybe I, I was just getting the air terroir. <laughs> the air war. The air war. The air war. The air war. We just coined. That. We just coined. <laughs> so our assistant. Well, I think I thought she coined Valent Wines Day. She didn't. I found it on Instagram. There was under a hundred hashtags or under hundred posts with that hashtag. But air war. I believe we may have come on to something. <laughs> I think the French call it Clement. Clement. But I think Erroir might work really well. But, you know, um, uh, what I love about this is it's got mm. that beautiful, um, deeply uh, expressive Chardonnay characteristic. Um, this is also a wine that ages elegantly. So we haven't released the 2021 yet. I brought it out um, so we could show simultaneously style you know the style of what you see from our readers being 80% chard 20% viognier all in stainless steel uh then against what we what our winemaking team does with something that's very traditional in the standard old world style of making chardonnay yeah this is definitely an old world style oh which one this is the, the second. Readers. That's readers. The readers. Because yeah. we're going to compare these two, right? That's right. So the next okay. one. Okay. It's okay. about time you someone kept this on track. Yeah, well, <laughs> on the way over, Shelly's like, um, are we going to have another long one? I'm like, I don't know. We have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I love comparative tasting. To taste and contrast is to understand both consistency of winemaking and what you're getting out of vintage. 2021 was a really warm vintage, very small yield for production. So you're going to see a lot of wineries are short on 21, um, 2021 uh, production and yield. Um, I think the 2021 wines are showing magnificently. When we start getting 2021 reds, they're going to knock your socks off. But this is a really cool opportunity to go back a year previous and taste 2020 so, Same exact regiment, eight months on oak versus ten. Okay, so there's a little different. A little bit, um, yeah. uh, what I was going to say is it's kind of good we're doing on the front end of this uh, so our palates aren't completely blasted uh, to be able to get those finer nuances. Yeah. Uh, are these 100%? 100% shard, yeah. Nice. You know. Yeah. I, so I really... why the decision? You explained it a little bit, but why on this one? Two months less. You know, that's a question. I'm not a winemaker. I'm just luckily the guy that gets to paraphrase what those geniuses <laughs> do. Um, I know the palate of John and what Chance is producing is going for a consistency of marrying acid to oak. So the complexity of Connerly Vineyard shows through. So I'm assuming that they looked at it and they thought, we can go ahead and we can extend this time surly because they're all aged surly in oak uh, versus what we have in this particular vintage. Can you c explain surly? So surly aging is keeping it in contact um, with usually loosely determined as the spent yeast cells. But what we'll often do 
and actually keep it in contact with the with the complete uh, cluster. So it, it's so you're study. talking uh, uh, stems and yeah. and the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, you know, actually, there's a great podcast with David Ramey, who's a godfather of California mm-hmm. sure, if you ask me, where he's, he was actually going back and putting stems back in wow. to um, the barrel. Uh, post fermentation to try to extract a deeper kind of guts and flavor that we are coming through of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what you see now is with extended mm-hmm. surly aging, you get a more complex, more round um, flavor profile. This is 100% malolactic fermentation as well, where we don't allow readers to go into malolactic fermentation. We want to preserve that bright, clean, crisp acidity. So it's interesting. Well, you, uh, when we, this is off air, but we'll bring it on air. Uh, Edward, you said that you would listen to one of the old world versus new world uh, episodes that we did yeah. on Chardonnay and this particular one. What we found is on old world, they are uh, really restricted in so much of what they do. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. New world, less restrictions. We talk about the grape, less about the terroir. The terroir always comes into play. No matter what, but there are rules in old world, not as many in new world. Uh, yeah, seventy five percent to call it a shard or whatever sure. it is, right? But uh, so the fact that Ramy puts the stems back in, who would think to do that? Yeah, you know what I mean. The, that was that was, and he started doing that post. UC Davis, because he was looking for a way to go, okay, now what are the French doing that we are missing? Right. And um, I was just remember listening to that and thinking, whoa, the owner of Elise Vineyards, have you ever had Elise, like more Sudi, Zinfandel, crazy-ass Petite Syrahs, big Napa Reds, gorgeous wines, really cool. But his whole point was doing the same thing to the point where he would, like, dry canes, like take uh, rootstock canes oh, wow. <laughs> and then put them back into the almost like toast them and then put them back in the barrel. So you're now getting um, root cane body and flavor. And it's such stuff. a small nuance. <laughs> but still, I mean, the, the thought of doing it. All right. I mean, yeah. And then you look at that element of detail versus the element of detail where people are going, I want to make 10,000 cases of, X. I'm going to buy bulk juice here, bulk juice there, bulk juice here. Which, by the way, is the majority of most wine we drink. Sure. Um, and and that's, there's nothing wrong with that model. No, nope. nothing at all. It's the difference between a person that says, "I'm really into cars. I can have maybe a million dollars on a McLaren is worth it," <laughs> versus the person that goes, "Hey, I'm really into cars, oh. and man, that car for twenty five thousand dollars is eight years old." Goes like a rape date. I'm just going to buy it and drive the hell out of it. Right. You know, th- th- but they're both, both awesome. Are right. Yeah. Both are right. That's and right. That's, and that's the, one of the great things about wine is there's so much diversity within it. Largely, it comes down to what are you willing to spend and then what do you expect for what you're spending? And, and, and the whole idea behind our podcast is try to find uh, wines that have awesome QPR. Does that mean that we don't have $80 wines that we actually feature? Nope, it doesn't mean that at all. Uh, quality to price ratio. ratio yep. Okay, You can have an $80 wine. Oh, let's talk about that, Shelly. On Valentine's of this week, we had a Chateauneuf de Pop that was unbelievable. It's a $70 bottle of wine retail. And uh, it was it was worth every penny. 
That's so cool. Man, and and awesome. so, but you're going to find some that are $50, $60. We did a, a head-to-head Chardonnay with Al, uh, uh, Anderson Con Valley Chardonnay, $60 Chardonnay, and J-Lore uh, Seca... Arroyo Seca. Arroyo Seca. Oh, Seca. Yeah, yeah, great bottle of Chardonnay. And by the way... And then uh, I lost the J-Lore. <laughs> well, I could certainly taste the quality difference mm-hmm. between the two. It's not that, it's like a difference. That's all it is, is a difference. J-Lore is a little more bitey. But uh, was it was it four times yeah. better than the J-Lore? <laughs> See, you know, it's, 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 and that's know. what wine consumers are going to think about. We, we have the luxury of speaking to that in this, in, this, in this forum, right? Right. And the thing that we want to mitigate is when the consumer goes to the shelf or goes to the wine shop, what their expectation is. And I can tell you, and, and you just defined it, my expectation at $18 is a whole lot different than at $68. Yeah, you are damn right. If you're paying 68 bucks for a bottle of wine, it better deliver at least at that level. 100%. Yes. And this is one of the things why, you know, why I love being able to show these two Chardonnays. One, they're completely different animals in winemaking, in sourcing, um, in style. Uh, and there are also two dramatically different price points where readers coming in between $16.99 and $18.99, double plot is $28.99 to $32.99. Um, uh, so you can taste the difference between the two. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Absolutely take the, taste the difference. Shelly, what do you think between the 20 and the 21? Ah, this is going to, so you listening didn't see that. You that are watching it, you saw Edward use his glass as a dump bucket. Which is okay. <laughs> Which is, I guess. Okay. Hey, trust me. I, <laughs> I'm trying to learn moderation as I get older. Oh, don't do that. I know. So, so, uh, so I'm not doing a very good job of it, but I'm trying. 21. I can taste the Washington terroir in there for some reason. Nice. I can't explain what it is, but I can taste that. And then this one that's a year older. It's a little milder, I think. It is a little quieter, isn't it? It, it doesn't is have it. as much, um, it's not as bright, okay. which, which might come from age, but I think it's actually indicative of, of the actual, yeah, and of the wine itself. Um, Ritzville loam over basalt. Um, you know, we are so blessed with the quality of soil composition that we have throughout the Columbia um, AVA, where we have an abundance of water. Um, to dry farm is rare because the soil composition that we have, water doesn't stay in at all. We have very little clay. Uh, we have a lot of rock. Um, but we have this beautiful water source that, you know, I kind of, John laughs and I couldn't agree more. When Canada stops getting snow, we'll stop getting water and that's going to be a really big problem for everybody. But luckily we have this abundant water source. Yeah. So we can irrigate and irrigate sparingly to ensure the perfect, um, because you want to stress the grapes, right? 100%. Yeah. I mean, the reason that grapes grow the best in difficult growing conditions is that stress makes them work harder. It's so counterintuitive. Sure. You want to yeah, drink up, you guys. But no, man, that's not where those the roots have got to go deep. 
Well, and the other thing, search. You, yeah. you don't want that much water because what you want is you want concentration, acid, and, and sugar. You, you don't, don't want, want mushy grapes. Yeah, you don't want mushy grapes. You don't want you know those big beautiful grapes. That's disgusting. Kind of like those huge strawberries. Oh yeah, with no taste. Grapes. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know when you look at a really hot vintage, you have lower yield, berry size is small. Um, Very concentrated. Yep, and the vines have have been stressed deeper. Yeah. Um, And as a result, you usually get a higher quality wine Ah. that goes along with it. So I think this 2021, all the wines, you you mentioned uh, Rick Small earlier, (laughs) his wines... There's very, I think there's very few Washington winemakers that make quality wines that can age elegantly. Um, Rick Small is definitely one. Um, it was a coup that we got him on and then we had to walk away. Uh, those that have listened to this podcast in the past know the story all too well. I'm not going to repeat it because it makes me really sad and my <laughs> stomach hurt. But we will get his daughter on and we will do Woodward Canyon again. And we are going to nail it this time. <laughs> um, it, it, Rick Small is pretty much the same as Robert Mondavi is in Napa. Uh, with, I mean, Leonetti is in there as well, uh, but they were best friends too. So you're talking Leonetti one, Woodward Canyon number two. And these guys are pioneers in Washington. Sure. Wines, then, you know? you, then you bring in LaCole, yeah. the clubs. Then you bring in, you know, uh, Rich Funk out of Savaya. I mean, you have now the old guard. Uh, and then, of course, Let's not forget uh, oh my God. Uh, Amavi Pepperidge. You know, uh, I mean, you you now have uh, a history of winemaking, the bulk of which Jerry Bookwalter sold grapes to early on, wow. including the Figgins, including Rick Small, uh, where we sold because they realized the quality of fruit that was coming out of Sagemore, that was coming out of Bacchus, that was coming out of uh, Connerly Vineyard um, and Dionysus. You mentioned so, uh, Leocole. We're going to have them on episode 154. We have winemaker Marcus Raffinelli. Oh, sweet. Do you know what wine you get to taste? No. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, it's going to take me a little time to find we it, though. Happened, don't we? Yes, we oh, do. Yes, we, <laughs> we already have them, and they're lying down. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you, if you have that Shannon, you should go ahead and drink right into that and have him bring some more because Shannon Blanc is one of the uh, varietals out of Washington that Washington does exceptionally well. There's precious little of it out there and very few guys make it. But if you want a wine that is affordable geek splendor, Shannon in a Washington is it. I mean, Simeon in a Washington also, as we well know, is, is, is excellent. And you used to make a Shannon Blanc in Temecula. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But they don't have that winery down there anymore. But it was, it was a really good Shannon Blanc. Chenin Blanc is such a fun, expressive grape that goes really well with food. Um, it's a wonderful kind of crossover grape for the consumer that doesn't want a Chardonnay, doesn't like Pinot Gris, doesn't know about Pickpool, uh, that wants to find something that's, you know, that's going to be kind of exciting and cool, and we grow up very well in Washington. If we have anything to say about it, Pickpool will be um, a trending wine soon. <laughs> it's such a great value, such a great wine. And we have featured a couple of them on this podcast. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so my quick thoughts on this yep. is I actually am enjoying the 21 a little more than the 20. The 20 has an, a, a, like a lot more in-depth nose. Mm-hmm. Now, that makes sense. It's been in the bottle an extra year. Yep, sure. 
You know, so integrate the ass is kind of incorporating it's succeeding and it is softer. I was getting more flavor out of that 21, but honestly, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about two of the same wines. Yes. One's on oak 10 months. One's on eight months. And you've got those and the difference of the vintage, but there are differences between these two. Yeah. And, and both are outstanding in their own right, which I'm just enjoying the crap out of. But, you know, one of the great things about wines, you know, we, let's not be too precious. It's an agricultural product. I know. It's going to change every year. Yep. And it's the, and it's the, um, it's the obligation of a great winemaker to try to mitigate some of the factors that the environment doesn't, doesn't give us uh, to remain consistent. That's why, you know, we talked earlier briefly about 100% varietal wines mm-hmm. and estate fruit wines. All estate fruit wines... That's pretty awesome. It's unicorn tears. Yeah. You know, less than 1% of wine in the world is 100% estate fruit. I know. Make it 100% um, varietal from an estate, you're now, that 1% is getting a little bit more sure. narrow. Um, the beauty of being able to blend multiple uh, varietals together, ensure complexity, consistency, and quality, despite what vintage may provide. We're really fortunate in Washington. Uh, Washington has consistent growing. Yeah. yeah, I think, and and again, I'm obviously not a scientist. I'm dumber than a post. However, I think loosely you could say one out of eleven years in California might be considered bad. Mm. One out of seven in Washington could be a real challenge. In Oregon, one out of three or four years is tough. Yeah, there's a reason why Washington continues to be acknowledged as probably one of the world's best yeah, I, growing regions. And, and especially for Bordeaux varietals, although Syrah crushes it. I love the Sangiovese and Nebbiolo coming out of Washington now. And the um, Carmenere. Oh, yeah. I mean, Car- I mean, there's so many cool yeah. things being planted and great things that wonderful winemakers are getting behind. It's awesome. But I'll be perfectly honest. I'm born and raised in Washington, cut my teeth in Washington wine in the 80s. Merlot drives the bus for red varietals in Washington State. And everyone, oh, I hate Merlot. Well, if you didn't watch that stupid, stupid movie, movie sideways, yeah, then, then you, you wouldn't be so ignorant. And or, it is a Bordeaux It's called the noble grapes. Truly. Yeah. Um, and I think, and, and Washington makes it very, very well. Um, which leads us to the next one. Uh, We're pouring uh, comparison Merlots. Merlot Plus. Merlot, Merlot Plus. Okay, so gotcha. So we're doing, this is featuring our 2020 Reader's Merlot. Uh, 2020 Reader's Merlot. This is just going to be released probably in the next four to five weeks. Uh, 45 weeks? Four to five weeks. Four to five weeks. And I brought our Reader's Merlot as opposed to our Reader's Cab. Our Reader's Cab just got 46 um, in the Wine Spectator Top 100, and it's absolutely delicious. It's wonderful. But I, again, just think that Washington Merlot should carve a niche in the world of wine, and I think this is one that truly, um, truly does it. Can we just say you've lost over that? <laughs> <laughs> just kind yeah, of like, just... kind of like uh, John Bookwalter. Uh, yeah, you like that Chardonnay? Yeah, we have fun with it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So the Cabernet Sauvignon from J. Book Walter, the readers, just got forty six and you know, uh, Wine Spectator top one hundred. So uh, you know, I guess that we're pretty happy with that. You, you know, in, in the last in the last ten years, 
you know, I, I get the spectator and I get the enthusiast. I get all the wine rags because I just like to cast scans around, right? Uh, it's, I mean, it's really they don't good like information. Well, they, they certainly do for your wines, but I, I get them just can't see what else is happening out there. Sure. What the consumer is seeing as well. And there was a period, and actually that period's ongoing, where there'd be a review of Washington Wines, and there'd be John. And again, I've known John for 15 plus years. John's not taking out ads in The Spectator. He's not wine and dining, insert name of reviewer here. Sure. But he was coming yeah, in. Yeah, Bob Parker, we're like this. <laughs> That's why I call him Bob. But, but you know, I, I would I would open up and I scan to the back and I go down and go, holy shit! You got a, a ninety-two, a ninety-three. These wines are wines that are marrying quality to expectation and to what people are beginning to understand. Truly, is representative of Washington Bordeaux varietals. This has got such a good nose on it that yeah. I have yet to taste it. So it's just a hashtag. Cheersing, let's do it up. Cheersing. Mm. And I had to actually text Chance to see what the what the mirroring up. Uh, okay, so this is 25% Merlot, 20 cab, 5% Malbec for readers. This is 2020. Yeah, 2020. Malbec, um, which of course is a varietal that people are truly embracing. Um Washington's coming into its own for producing great Malbec. Great Malbec primarily is a blending grape, and that's certainly what we use Malbec for. Um, it gives a little bit of color, it gives a little intensity, um, and it marries next to some of that kind of plum, fruit-forward um, balance that our Merlot has. And the 25% cab just brings in a little bit of that tannin. And the key is... I think long since gone are the days where people go, ooh, a young Cabernet has green bell pepper and stewed fruit. No, those are piercings. Those aren't qualities of a fine Cabernet. Those are flaws from picking fruit too young. Mm -hmm. Where the phenolic compounds, the base of tannin, picking at the zenith of ripeness eliminates those piercings. So you get a quality fruit expression with layers of tannins without that vegetal component. Um, that being said, we want the higher tannin content of cab to give it a little toothiness, but we still have this beautiful, round, rich red wine that finishes elegantly, marries well with food, but is perfectly delicious to sun some. I may have asked Lane Hewitt, uh, or maybe not asked, but commented on, I, I never quite understood the whole thing about if you get green bell pepper or bell pepper at all in a Cabernet, that makes it bad. Um, so listen to that question in a couple weeks because we have a completely different conversation about that, but it's interesting that that is a sign of the fruit being picked too young. It can be, yeah. and, and again, you know, that's it's kind of a gross generalization, but I would say that when you first jump into a cab and you go, ooh, that bright bell pepper, mm, that's a characteristic, but it doesn't mean that it's great. Good. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and I, and, I, I, and everyone's palate's a little bit different. Oh, for sure. I, but, you know, I think, you know, the move towards focusing on uh, phenolic compounds and phenolic development and true ripeness, peak ripeness, marrying acid, sugar, seed advancement, 
um, is really where you start getting to the characters of what makes a great red wine. And also, what are you doing with it? Are you using hard-pressed fruit? Uh, are you using free-run juice? Free-run juice, man, that changes the flavor component of wine dramatically versus second, third, or fourth pressed wine. I mean, hard-pressed wine, now you're pulling out all those flavonoids that are coming from skin, stem, and seeds. Stems and seeds, who likes them? Nobody. The key is, is that, you know, and what that does is that just adds or pulls away from that fruit-forward component that you get from red wine. So the free run is right. when you let the weight of the, of the grapes. True. You're, yeah. just, you're just breaking the skin. You're yeah. breaking the skin and you're allowing that nectar to really that, pour that out. First, the, the first shot of juice, and you're still going to press them. You, you're pressing to a couple atmospheres, so you're, getting, you're just managing to extract the juice. Yeah. And then you allow that to sit in contact with the skins, with whole cluster, depending upon yeah. your press style. And then that's where you develop that flavor profile that comes through. That's so cool. And I think my whole point behind the comment about the, the bell pepper in Cab. And wasn't that with the Petit Bordeaux that he was mentioning that? It, we didn't even really get that. It was brought up. Okay. And, and I never understood that. But this is what I'm coming to find out is that uh, bell pepper, when you see it in a Zinfandel or something like that, is actually a good thing. Um, but because if you're, if you're going to pick the fruit correctly at the right time, which is checking the bricks and you're doing all that stuff the right way, and you pick it at the optimum time, even if it's 2.30 in the morning, uh, <laughs> where yeah. it hits, right? And you are harvesting, you are not gonna get that, but you're gonna get something much better in, re, in lieu of that because the, the fruit is picked at the right time. That, you know, and, and, and once you clip a cluster, and this certainly is it's really important for whites, once you clip a cluster, oxidization begins to start. Yeah. You know, the reason why most people are harvesting at night is that if you're doing it right, you're harvesting usually when it's still warm out, right? And as the evening cools, your acid begins to, you know, it's, as we all know, the whole series of diurnal shift, but picking when it's cooler is, does a couple of things makes it a heck of a lot easier on your vineyard staff. Mm -hmm. Two, you're also adding an element of preservative to your fruit. Versus if you're picking it when it's 90 degrees out, that fruit's beginning to go, beginning to spoil the second that you clip it. Yeah, that's exactly right. The utilization of chilling tubes or tunnels in California wine as a way to preserve acidity in white wines is is common use. Um, But picking it nice is just a great way to get yourself a couple extra hours to get it into prep. I mean, you really, I mean, if you start like at midnight, one o'clock, and well, it's maybe not... Maybe just six o'clock. Well, no, but it, it's going <laughs> it to take... It needs to be cold, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be chillier, and you need... It's, so it's not going to... When that sun starts coming up, it's the heat starts coming, and you get that fruit where it needs to be before it sees that heat, and you're way ahead of the process. Yeah. yeah. And it's all, again, it's natural, it's organic. You're not having to throw it in a cooling tank, which costs money and everything. Sure. You're, so, you're, 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 allowing, you're allowing your atmosphere to do some of the work for you. Which, why wouldn't you? Why you know? You? Shelley, what do you think of this uh, 2020 Reader's Merlot that we've had in the past and love it so much we'd get it again? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. Very delicious. I think... This is a awesome, awesome wine. I think you taste this in a year or two. Even better. It will blow you away. You know, this I, year is which? This is 20. And we're, we'll, this will be coming to market most likely right around May. So this is something that, again, because we're trying the 2020 conflict, 
which is predominantly, it's 52% Merlot, I want to be able to kind of do, again, a little bit of a, conspir- a comparison also when it comes to sourcing. Whereas conflict is um, Connerly, Dionysus, and Dionysus, Elephant Mountain, and Connerly, 46% Connerly. So now you begin to get that cultivation of a particular source when we move into the second line, which is conflict 2020. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you try the two side by side. Now, how are you going to taste them side by side? You drank all your wine. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, me? You turn your back on him for a second. Oh, I know. Luckily, there's a full bottle right there. Uh, well, I just drank the 2020 readers. Yes, but we're going to compare them. Okay. Well. Except for you. <laughs> nope. Well, you just drank the 2020. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Good. You guys scaring the crap out of me. Ah. You, Phil, you bring up a great, great point. And one of the things is challenging. So we're, um, <laughs> our run rate. I can't uh, wait to hear the great point I brought up. Uh, it happens so seldom. Is this wine's going to get better in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. One of the things. So is, it's a little tight. It does taste young. It's it three is. years old, but uh, wait, technically it's two and a half years old, really. Yeah. When you think about it, right? Because we're just at the front end of 2023. Um, so this is basically a two-year-old wine. So it's still young. Sure. It's still a little tight. But it's still got, you can tell the depth there. Yeah, one of the great things, and our 19 cab is a wine that actually is delicious upon opening. Second day, better. And, and, and these are things, as, as we know as consumers, yeah. if it's... You open it, you have a couple glasses, you wait the next day, you finish, you go, wow, that's really good. That's a wine that probably is going to do really good two or three years in the cellar. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Which is great. At least two or three, yeah. Yeah, at least two or three. Uh, that's a great hit for something that's under $20 retail. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, are most of the, well, are most of the wines that we have tried so far, or in general with Jay Bookwalter, are they built to drink right away, or are they built to lay down? Great question. All of our wines are built to be um, readily, readily approachable upon release. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I can tell you personally, they benefit with two to seven years of age. That's and fantastic. And here's the thing, and again, I've known John for a long time, and I still will dig something out of my cellar. Like, I'll bring him like an 09 Conflict, or uh, Chapter 4, which is our legacy wines. Yeah, yeah. I've released only from the winery. Uh, these are wines that he doesn't even have at the winery anymore. Um, and they are showing stunning. Not even in the library? If someone wants Maybe to buy them, we have library. a job to sell them. His personal library probably long since drank. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> John and Gretchen are, are, are awesome people. And, you know, we're in the business of making wine. So he loves saving it. And he has a deep, we have a deep library, especially for people that want to come to our restaurants. Sure. And enjoy or come to our tasting rooms. So as a member of our book club, our wine club, you can come in and we can go do and re- we can do a retrospective, you know, of, of vintages that are similar. Or here's a taste and compare, right? And um, your restaurant is called Fiction, right? Yeah, it's called Fiction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and everything's. It's, uh, it's the, it, was the, it was the original. Uh, it was the original winery. Oh. Um, so you got Fiction, Double Plot, Book Club, Conflict. Book Walter. You're noticing a literary reference to the whole thing. You consider yourself dumb as a post. Uh, completely. I'm. Dumb as concrete. <laughs> so the light went off. Bing. You know, and, and you think about it. And Just I, now? No. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure we brought that up as the literary thing. But uh, 
but every step we're taking, there's another, shall I say, chapter to that model. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and this is one came of, up with that. And, and this is one of, one of the great things that keeps everything kind of integral to itself. Um, and far from being trite, it's 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 a theme. You know, it's related to the family. It's related to the family name, oh, and it, it's a consistent theme that we like to see through the tiers of our expressions. You know, our entry tier, which is a great value. You, we talk about you know quality to price ratio. Our notebook tier, mm. which John had been wanting to do forever and then finally released it which was a vertical and horizontal approach to winemaking so multiple vintage multiple varietals yeah Um, now we're actually moving that towards a vintage play because people weren't gravitating towards the multi-vintage thing they're like and and, and at the price point no one really cared they're Uh, buying it to drink that night that's 100% oh they're buying it to bring to this party and say we brought our wine or here's a gift and that sort of thing yep and might I just say that I just got done saying this is still a little tight and young Uh, you opened these wines probably I'm guessing 15-20 minutes before uh, we arrived for the recording so it it was aerating or opening uh, you know barely in this little 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 itty bitty uh, opening. Mm-hmm. Now that it's been in the glass, it changes. It has changed day. quite substantially. You know, I, I still think when I'm oh, these, the next three wines, conflict, which is in glass, protagonist and suspense, what we consider our, our white labeler signature tier wines. Um, these are wines that we're drinking super youthful. I mean, these yeah. wines have just been released in the last two, three months. And they really, to me, are the the backbone of what book Walter wines are all about. I would take a beer pitcher and just dump it in and aerate. I mean, there's no pretty way of aerating. You want you want you want to get a little sexier? Take a tea ball, you know, tea like you know, mm-hmm. if you're actually making if you're yeah. steeping tea, yeah. pour it through that, aerate. You all you want to do is get oxygen to it to accelerate oxidization, to enjoy it same day of. But these wines are youthful enough that you might want to do that. This is the problem with our society. We want things now. (laughs) Why don't you you enjoy that bottle of wine for an hour and and the life of aerating it and opening up is what I, I like to do. But, I mean, there are lots of tools out there. You know, we have the one that starts with a V that you stick down and go. Yeah. Right. There's that. Yeah. And then we also have a, a Vinlock system, which is a slow uh, wine a preservation, and slow decanting. I mean, you can actually decant. I have it. a couple of decanters. Yeah. yeah but you know, and I, have, I, have head, I have a heavy hand and a keg cup. Sometimes, and that tends to work really well too. I like the beer pitcher idea. It, 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 it's pitcher. again, it works great. We yeah. saw something. It's a hell of a lot easier to clean than a decanter. Yeah, we true. saw something on TikTok. Just throw your wine in a blender and take it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what not, I did. Not, not, I was like, wow, that's really not, cool. not gonna do that. Sorry, you want to air Suppose you could. You're gonna take a wine that's gonna over the hill and down all in one. <laughs> the ninja, the ninja blender. The ninja, the ninja blender. Ninja yeah, throw some crushed ice in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, uh, the hard pours are what we do all the time as yeah. at least a quick aeration. Yeah. Um, so you put it in the wine, just like, boom, you're upside down. Splash. And, and, and then, come, yep. and so it's a hard pour, and, it, and 
that really helps that process along. For, Bordeaux you know? for, for young Bordeaux varietals, absolutely. I wouldn't take that same approach for Pinot Noir. Because um, you're talking about a much, much sexier, yeah. prettier, yeah, yeah. Uh, more fragile, if you will, great. Yeah, sure. But for these wines, beat them up a little bit. And beat just, them just, up. Just, just yeah. get a little air into them. Um, that being said, you know, I feel I, I love your refined approach, which is take the time. Drink it over a couple I mean, hours. You it's know? really, in, 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 and this is just one man's opinion, uh, or immature uh, man's opinion, uh, it's... This is a part of the, we live in a culture where it's like, alcohol's 15%, yeah. No, it's hot. Uh, and, and I understand Washington wines, and these could be 15% wines. Uh, maybe not the shards, but uh, there's something to be said for taking the, stop and smell the roses, or in this case, stop, stop and smell the wine. 13.5 on the... Yeah, 13.8 for double pot, 13.5 for readers. You're now getting the 15, 14.8 to 15 okay. for the next three wines yep. that we're taking. And, and yeah, that's what we see in Washington, yeah. And the Chateau Neuf de Pop was 16%. 16% it, on the Chateau Neuf What Nauta, vintage was it? 18. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're, looking, for, we're looking for more of that. <laughs> Not because of the alcohol, though we did finish the bottle. Don't tell. Okay. Where did you, you, you find that bottle? At the uh, Wine Library in New Jersey. Oh, cool. Yeah, we did. Um, so we are also in the midst of a new series, uh, Wine Clubs, which uh, last week we did part one, which was Wine Library, which is the Gary V. Wine Club. We did Empathy, which is a Gary... If you know Gary Vaynerchuk? Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, Long story, but we're not going to do it. So uh, his empathy line, and then we did a wine from Eternal Wine out of the incubator project in Walla Walla, and so uh, and talked about those wine clubs. And we're going to do we're going to do Bottle Joy. We're going to oh, do cool. uh, Coraline Fresh. All of our uh, uh, basically our sponsors and our relationships. We are going to feature their wine clubs with some of their wines. Dude, B- Bottle Joy is such a, a it's a great. Gift. I mean, you we are so lucky between. Studio 107, Bottle Joy, Dinner Party, the number of really thought, well thought through wine shops in a small town. Oh, style. Are you kidding me? Love what Christian and Robbie are doing. That place is awesome. And by the way, we've said this, these guys are, yes, they're competitors, but their personality is such that everyone is going to be different. 100%. And that's, and that's why we're really going to feature some of these wine clubs and the wines that you get from it. it. They force you to try different wines. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. They're not really forcing Well, them. Well, they kind <laughs> of... creating the opportunity. Encouraging yeah. it very well. We, and we've mentioned this before. We have a friend that's like, I only drink Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> like, great. <laughs> Keep that down and narrow there, boy. Uh... Yeah, let us drink the rest of them. You know, Cabernet Sauvignon, great. Love it. Fantastic. Uh, there are other wines out there. Yeah, 100%. There and, are other wines. And as a guy that's in the wine business, and again, uh, as much of a consumer as I am, an advocate and a, and a seller thereof, yeah. um, I love nothing more than going to a great wine shop and asking, hey, what's good? And yeah. Can, and what do you got for me? And Chris has done that since she was, you know, following her through her local career. Yeah. She always has an opinion and she has great taste. Um, and 
you, you find that. I mean, I love talking to Tom at Studio 171. He's a great guy. And two, he's always got something cool. It's he's like, got a palate like mine. So his it's the awesome. wines that he chooses, I'm like, another hit. And then we back it up with the godfather, Sam Lang at Beverly's, who mm-hmm. is one of my favorite people in the entire world for the very reason of going in and going, hey, I want to try something pretty cool from being insert here. Yeah. And he's like, I'll be right back. And next thing you know, he comes back and he's got something and it's always cool and always good and always fun. And, you know, and it's, it's rare to be in any environment that is as active and engaged and such a great pro- proponent yeah. without, and, and, and in, inclusive. And by the way, Sam is getting unbelievable press from us. For his new venture, Lola's. Oh, I know. How cool is that? It's so cool. Sam has been a guest on our podcast three times now. He (laughs) almost begs to be on it. And I'm like, okay, Sam, we can do that. We tasted this one. We have not, and we need to before we run out of juice on our video. Okay, so this is So this is 52%. um, Oh. Yeah. Pretty egg. Pretty good egg. 52% Connerly Merlot. Then you blend in oh. Dionysus Cab, 32%, round out with Elfin Mountain um, Petit Verdot, and then just a splash of Malbec. Ooh. 2020, I think this is this is a beautiful, beautiful wine. And the nose on it just goes on forever. It's really a... Oh, my goodness. Wow. See, so he's 20 months... A French oak, and I want to say sixty percent um, new rosé. Uh, well, I would say this is a twenty months in one hundred percent French oak. Mm-hmm. How much new French oak? Seventy uh, percent. I'm still on. new oak. Are you reading? I am. <laughs> I'm dumb as concrete. No, I'm sorry, dumber than concrete. Uh, drinking window 2022 to 2035 and boy that's a big window but I think it's absolutely true it is 100% true I think the, 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 the next three wines that we're going to taste all stand the testament of, of, of cellaring um, again when John hired Zilma along to come in to really kind of talk to what our wine program could be she brought in an understanding of you need to take what the vineyard offers you and then express that into what you put in the bottle. Um, you know, Jerry knows these vineyards better than anybody. John grew up in these vineyards. We have an understanding of what this fruit can be. Uh, and again, like I said before, it's one of the coolest things after 26 years in the wine business to be able to sit at a component tasting with John Buck Walter, with our winemaker, with some of the growers, and we can taste the lots that we've had long-term contacts with, right? And we can taste what we've done with it. And then we taste what the grower themselves is doing with it. And then we might buy from them and blend or just strictly using our own lots. But that's the joy of the chemistry and the artistry of winemaking. Um, yeah. And to so see that recognition. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, we are going to take a break and, and hear from the social web. And when we come back, we are going to get into some heavy hitters. Yeah, the last two protagonists in suspense. Yeah. Not to keep you in suspense, but. <laughs> Room shot. 
As a business owner, you realize how important it is to use the power of social media to market your business, but you really don't want to spend full-time money by hiring a full-time staff or hand over the reins to a third party to manage it. Honor your business and yourself by taking control of your social media marketing with the help of the social web inner circle. In this ever-changing world of social media, the social web inner circle will teach you social media strategies, giving you a leg up on your competition with exclusive monthly learning calls featuring national experts in social media, exclusive monthly office hours, open Q&A calls with the social web founders, an exclusive active Facebook group community where you can ask questions and receive support whenever you need it an exclusive monthly print newsletter mailed to your home or office, and more. You owe it to your business to make this year the best year ever, and using social media the proper way will vault you toward that goal. Visit thesocialweb.news for more information and to see how unbelievably affordable the inner circle is. The Social Web and the Social Web Inner Circle, helping you untangle the web of social media marketing. All right, welcome back to Wine Time Fridays, episode 148. Uh, We've got um, the last couple wines we're going to taste through from Jay Bookwalter here with Edward Holmes, who uh, has come out of his shell today. I did a little self-confidence talk earlier today. I started using big words. You know, I'm working my way up to it. You know, you should use large words. I try. Because large is bigger than big. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. And getting the whole five-letter word thing, that is awesome. Jeez, my daughter will love it when I play Boggle next. Uh, Yeah, right? Boggle. God, I hate that game. (laughs) Well, hopefully you'll love this wine. The next wine is called Protect. Protagonist. And this uh, at 89% Cabernet, mm. balance being 6% uh, Syrah, and then uh, 5% uh, Petit Verdot gives you this really beautiful, that f- fruit forward characteristic and layered tannin of Cab. Mm. Um, the Syrah, I think, really rounds it out nicely. And then we kind of catch a little bit of that kind of linear graphite flavor profile from the Petit Verdot. I like um, that, yeah. This also sees 20 months of uh, uh, French oak. Um, Are you starting to read my notes? I should. I should. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this, the, the, you know, again, these three wines, conflict, protagonist, and suspense, truly are what, when people come to Book Walter, we want them to walk away with remembering. You know, it's, lo- it's, it's awesome to, to have readers every day. Um, but these are the wines that you go to your cellar and you go, you know what, I want a really expressive Merlot-based wine. Or I want something that really captures the essence yeah. of Cabernet from the lower Columbia Basin. Uh, and that's what, you, that's what you get with something like this. So uh, I have a couple questions. I want to do hashtag cheersing. And um, what's the difference... After you cherry, you have to take a sip. Yeah. What's the difference when it says 20 months, 100% French oak and 60% new oak? So it means the balance of 40% is neutral or second use oak. 
So we're saying that 60% of the oak regiment. That's right. Gotcha. 100% of the French oak, but 60 of it is new. Correct. Gotcha. And then the rest is uh, one year, two year, or okay, gotcha. Okay. That makes uh, total total sense. Okay. I always think it's so funny when we use a lot of French oak and other countries are using America. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of that also, I think, is. to the winemaker's preference. I mean, Slovakian oak, Hungarian oak, yeah. American oak. There's, there's myriad different oak uh, flavor profiles out there, depending upon the tonny air you use. Also, the size of the barrel. I mean, we have a few 500-liter barrel, 350-liter barrel, then 225. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of that, we will use non-toasted heads. Yeah. Um, which, again, you think about the exposure to the wine. If you don't have toasted heads you're reducing the contact point of wine by almost 40%. I mean, there are barrels, and they have names for these barrels, but some of these barrels are huge. We call those big-ass barrels. Well, (laughs) we have big-ass wines at home. Yes. (laughs) We have two big-ass wines. Wine glasses. Sorry, big-ass wine glasses. Sorry. I'm again. Yeah, I mean, so the whole world of barrels is something that I wish I had the cerebral capacity to dig into because it is... And it's as, it's as interesting and as deep as where you sourced your food from, almost even more so. Mm. There's not a, a ton of Tonniers or Coopers out there. So you want to find the guys that you really marry to their specialty. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, barrels are expensive. You're talking up to two, $3,000 for, for one a French. barrel. Yeah. For great French oak. Yeah, and Americans are about a grand. Now, yeah, I think, yeah. Man, yeah, sure. So, I mean, and, and then you have to amortize that. You use it three times, and then it's technically neutral. So, you're not dependent upon the size of the barrel. You have to figure out how you're going to extrapolate that cost out of it. It's so all you, reverse engineered, isn't it? So, you need to yeah. marry who you, you want to, you want that dollar to go the furthest. You mm-hmm. want to make sure that what you're putting into it. So the cool thing, whenever you walk into a barrel room and you're with a winemaker, ask the winemaker the difference between what's this, what's this lot of this vineyard in this barrel versus that barrel. Yeah. And they will geek out. It. They'll totally. geek out. And, and, mm. and it's so worth the tasting because there's nothing more eye-opening for someone that really is into wine to taste the same vintage, same vineyard, two different barrels. Yeah, it's really. I'll awesome. bet. And again, ninety percent of people could probably care less. Well, However, I mean, it, it, it takes the more the more you're awesome. actually tasting through wine, uh, the more nuances you're going to pick up. And and we tell people all the time, they're like, "So, uh, how do I learn about wine?" I said, "Buy a bottle, <laughs> pour it in a glass, <laughs> and drink it." Yeah. Is there anything else? Nope. Nope. Do it again the next day. <laughs> that was a, you know, the, the, the gentleman, dear, dear family friend, uh, Paul Thomas, uh, was a seventh licensed winemaker in Washington, who was, a, wow. again, a, a very close family friend. That's how I got into wine. I he used to have this big kind of Bacchanalian party every year at the winery. And I think I went when I was 11 the first time. I was really like, cognizant of it. And... I just remember walking through the winery and the smell of caustic, which is a cleanser, oak, fermentation, and just going, wow. And, and These are my people. Part. Yeah, and just watching yeah. this party, right? And then I came back to him when I was about 16 years old, and uh, he had this killer house, Woodville, Washington, built in the 1800s, log home, and he always had this wicked sidebar full of wine. I mean, 
20, 30 bottles of wine all open. Yeah. And I go there and go, hey, uh, Paul, I, I want to learn about wine. And I love it because he didn't even blink an eye. He's like, well, you need to start drinking wine. He didn't even, <laughs> didn't even think about the fact that at that point I was like 16 years old. But he's like, well, this is what you got to do. I mean, you, they, and technically you, and legally you can drink the wine or not drink it, but taste it and spit it. But, but you, you, here, here's you want to learn wine, you need to educate yourself in yeah, wine. And yeah. when you when you legally can, you need to get yourself in a position where you can taste whatever you can, however you can. Yeah. I would recommend being a busboy. At that point, it was Ray's on Shilshul. Ray's Boathouse. Yeah. And he's like, get a job there. Or um, Adriatica, or any number of these kind of old school Seattle uh, yeah. restaurants that had great wine lists. And he says, Go get a job there. And when go down you, to the Brooklyn. And when, <laughs> go to El Gaucho. And, and, yeah. when, and when the reps are coming in and talking with the buyer, see if you can hang on and just read it and, and expose yourself to as much as you can. So your point is so spot on. How do I learn about wine? Yeah. Start drinking. So uh, And the wine Bible by Jeremy McNeil. Well, I, but it's part of the education. Uh, so we've talked a number. In fact, this is a good segue, Shelly. Next, uh, next Friday, next Saturday, a week from tomorrow, is... Open that bottle night, 2023. Oh, okay. D- John and Dottie. Yeah, from the Love Street, by the Glass, from the Wall Street Journal. Tastings yeah. column. <laughs> they were uh, guests on our podcast last year at this time, talking about how Open That Bottle Night came about. Shelley and I are so into the whole idea of wine and romance, and their story is unbelievable. And uh, their they, their book, uh, Love, Love by, by the Glass, glass. Yeah, Tasting Notes of a Marriage is an easy read that will educate you not only on wine, but the romance of a relationship. Oh, that's awesome. It's my, so good. Yeah, my significantly better half, Molly, uh, who had a wine bar and knows wine. It's yeah, SBH. Well. Significantly better half? Yeah. We'll have to, I should start calling her that. SBH. SBH. You just say hashtag SBH. <laughs> if you really want to get into it deep, SBHM. Yeah, <laughs> SBHM. We we have she has that break up that bottle night which is she breaks out a bottle I get home and I go are you kidding me did you really open that that's the point <laughs> of open that bottle night because so many times uh, a wine sits there and you're like oh we should it's open it for this event it. but we can't <laughs> yes, open too, for yeah. it's too good we can't and then the wine goes over the hill and. Aren't you stupid? Yes. So make the wine the occasion. That's open that bottle night, and that's a week from tomorrow. So I kind of talked a little bit about that ahead of time, but it was a good segue because you're talking about books and learning, and Love by the Glass is a great book. Um, I gave that to my daughter and her husband, and they blew through it, and they started joining wine clubs. It was yeah. fantastic. It's, you know, it's... it's it's, it's a, a part of that. It's a wonderful slippery slope the world of wine. Yeah, it really is. Um, so we talked a little bit about Gary Vaynerchuk uh, before he was legal to drink uh, in New York. Uh, and he worked at his, wine, his dad's wine store, wine library, um, at the time Discount Wines. He couldn't taste the wines. So he got the wine spectator and he read all these reviews of the wines. This has got a mineral taste. 
He went and licked rocks. Sure. This has got a dirty terroir. He went and put dirt in his mouth. Please don't tell yeah. me about the sheep butt. <laughs> well, so one of the things we love about Gary is that he is not pretentious. And he's like, this burgundy, I'm getting a little sheep butt in it. And I'm like, Gary, have you had Exactly. Yeah. Did you have your nose off a sheep's butt? But uh, the, the whole idea of that, and he was on um, Conan O'Brien and oh, tasting through. And he had like a three or four minute um, spot. And Gary can do this because he talks very fast. But going through, and they had all this stuff. You had green pepper, dirt, rocks, and sure. Conan's like, "What? You eat dirt? Yep. You know what, Conan? Put it in your mouth. It'll get so that the flavor profiles: strawberry, peach. Sure, right? Hey, well, I got one for you guys. Yeah, petrol and reason. I love reason. But why do we say petrol, right? Because we're in America. Why don't we say gasoline? But that wouldn't be okay. That's right. Or how about this? Hot summer hose water. Wow. Right? That is so and, spot. And you're from Seattle. Yes. Yeah. So in the 60s, in the 50s and 60s, everyone's entryway to their split level in suburban Seattle was, made, was slate. Right? And if you had your door open on the odd day that it got over 85 degrees. It happens. That, it's July 29. Yeah, exactly. You laugh, but you know what I'm uh, saying. Do I ever make If you ever want to plan a party in Seattle, July 29. That's right. To the to far the of my knowledge, never has had rain. Because it, yeah, if, if you want to make sure it's going to be wet, make it July 3rd, 4th, or 5th. There you go. Um, but uh, cold. a slate floor or a slate patio with fresh rain on it. And whenever you hear someone talk about the slate characteristic of mm. wine, that is a aroma and a flavor that immediately because you know your olfactory system is all integrated, right? Mm-hmm. So you smell something and you can you understand the flavor profile of it. But that wet slate, yeah, um, I just that's linked to the entryway of my parents' house. I mean, as a the, kid. but, but like a frog thing. It, yes, it's exactly that. And and what happens is. We can only pull from our experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We only know what we know. Yeah, we haven't tasted a lot of the tropical fruits like the guavas. And well, you know, I, would, I would highly recommend whenever you have the chance, go on vacation, go somewhere tropical. <laughs> and, 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 Did you and, say vacation? Yeah. Oh, you're so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, aside from the permanent vacation that we're on. Yeah, there but, you go. Um, guava, mango, lychee are, are fruits that you have to taste. Because they're you, they're overused in the world of wine tasting. But they, when you taste it, they immediately go, "Oh, that's it! Star fruit's another one, right?" Yeah, I have um, not had that. Yeah, when when you have the opportunity to go, "Oh, that is exactly what it is." Yeah. Uh, so whenever you have the opportunity to expose yourself to components that people use in tasting comparisons, yeah, do it. Um, and, and by the way, so everybody should be doing that. A lot of things because when I was little, we always ate black jawbreaker. Mm, so there's I a everywhere. A uh, water brook, yeah, Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc, Blanc water has a little bit yes, of anise. anise yeah. yeah, yeah. So and, and anise is a such a strong flavor, mm-hmm. and when it comes through in certain capacities, it's, it's delicious and it's stunning and it's almost palate staining, which is in some cases cases can be really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. One of the things that I love about this protagonist is for as big as it is, it has a little bit of that supple nature, um, that red and black kind of meaty fruit of the Syrah mm. that makes it immediately approachable. Well, it's got Syrah in there, yeah? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And this yeah. wine will just continue to develop. Yeah. Um, it's got great legs too, by the way. 
It's got fabulous which, legs. Which might be the way, and I feel I hate to say this out loud, but that probably is more to do with whether our glasses are dirty or clean or nope. alcohol content. Than well, al- yeah, for sure. And this is and this is a little hot. This is fifteen percent. Okay. Um, I, so, yeah, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. It's like, look at the legs on that. It doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the wine. Okay. No, but it's fun to watch. It is, and fun it's fun to, to say. And it's like travels well. Travels that well. That doesn't mean you put it in your suitcase <laughs> and it comes out good at the other end. Hey, every suit that I've bought that supposedly travels well has never <laughs> traveled well. No. You know what? Here's a hack. When you're traveling, wear the suit that you want. Don't pack it. Wear it. Yeah. That's, I couldn't agree more. I do that yeah. with shoes. Like, what, By the what, way, then you're traveling in style too. You show well. You know, it's the same thing. And when you travel well, you live well. I can't disagree with you. I can't agree with you more. While you're pouring. So blazing oh, through these. Yeah. Blazing so, through these next ones. While you, uh, we're going to keep you in suspense for the next wine, but which is, thank you for the rim shot. Um, I wanted to just mention real quick the greatest song you never heard podcast, Wine Word of the Week. This week is Sulfites. Oh. Most, most misunderstood uh, word in wine. Yeah. Oh, Why don't you, let's, can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> well, let's see. It's real simple. First and foremost, sulfites are integral to all wine. Mm. Uh, sulfite in the, in the base level, uh, chemically. You can't really a, get, get rid of it. It's a byproduct of yeast fermentation. Yeah. So, and that's a very, very small amount a trace amount that's found in wine. One of the big things that catches people's eye, catches people's eyes about sulfites is that in the United States and in Australia in particular, you have to put on the label. If you're over, I think it's 50 milligrams of sulfite per liter, you have to declare it on the bottle, mm-hmm. so which instantly makes people go, oh, there's sulfites. Well, there's also sulfites in France, Chile, uh, Spain, Argentina. But they have different laws. Different laws, exactly. Um, Probably sulfites in orange juice. <laughs> well, well, you know where there's an, a, a magnificent amount of sulfites is in dried fruit. So dried apricots, right about 300 milligrams per two ounce serving. Mm. This bottle of wine has about 94 parts Per, per liter. Per liter. Oh, per well, liter. that's, yeah, that's yeah. Instead of huge one different. little Africa. Yeah. yeah. So, so sulfites are largely mistaken. Now, so you have naturally occurring sulfites that happen as a byproduct of fermentation. Then you have sulfites that are added as a preservative in winemaking. Um, we want this wine to taste the way it tastes when it leaves our winery to when it hits your table. We need to do that by adding sulfites to preserve and to eliminate oxygen. Yeah. And by doing that, <clears throat> by adding sulfites, we, we, we engineer that preservative. You control it. Yeah. But yeah. it's not going above and beyond. It's not doing anything more than anybody else in wine making is doing. So uh, do white wines have more sulfites than reds? Yes. You know why? Because tannins are also a preservative. So is alcohol. Yeah. So you, but I've heard a thousand of the myths. I can't drink white wine. I can't drink red wine because it has, right. Um, I can't drink that because it has sulfites. I have headaches because I have sulfites. Well, less than 1% of people in the world have a sulfite um, issue. Now, 
Do you guys know this? Your body produces up to a thousand milligrams of sulfites a day. Interesting. And there's an enzyme that your body also produces that keeps it in balance. If you don't have that enzyme to keep it in balance, you become sulfite afflicted. Ah. But again, it's very, very rare. Right. When people say I get a headache, it's the sulfites. No, it's not. It's histamines or better yet, alcohol and dehydration. It's not sulfites. In fact, there's a group. Dehydration because alcohol dehydrates also. So if you go into it having not drank. You probably just had some coffee in the morning, wine at night, and you're all dehydrated. Yep. Drinking Um, water, just to let you know. So sulfites don't contribute to headaches. The amount of sulfites that we add to wine to act as 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 a legitimate preservative aren't doing anything more than preserving the wine for the benefit of the consumer. Yeah. None of these wines have more than, well, by law in the United States, you can't put more than 350 milligrams per liter of sulfites in. I can tell you, because we've seen, I've seen tests, yeah. import wines that are going through the variation of heat, of travel, right. will often have a higher percentage of sulfites, right. but even then, you're talking 120 milligrams per liter. At the bottom line is what you said, stay hydrated. And, and don't drink too much. Yeah. Speaking of not drinking too much. Let's drink this next one. <laughs> so this one right here uh, is Suspense. This is my favorite wine that we make. Oh, it's I too bad because I know this is from Cab Franc, which I absolutely yes, despise. Yes, it is. It, <laughs> you do not. No, you are correct, sir. <laughs> well, this is 75% Cab Franc, 25% uh, Merlot, and it's 100% uh, Connerly Vineyard. And this wine... I absolutely love. And it doesn't hurt that my significantly better half also loves Cap Franchi. To the point where she loves Chanon, right? Which is really funky. But this is a wine that has such beautiful expression and it speaks to Connolly Vineyard. Um, Uh, I mean, it's Cap Franc. It's my fave. Cap Franc at 25 (laughs) what? At 25 uh, Merlot. And, uh, yeah, Carmenere, right up there with it. What I love is this beautiful balance of body to tannin to finish. This is a pretty wine. Very pretty. Yeah. That's the first thing that came to mind when I swallowed it. It is is a pretty wine. It's more purple than burgundy. No, no, no. I'm talking about the taste. Yeah, the color. Yeah, Yeah. it's got some purple in it. It certainly does. There's an intensity to Cab Franc that um, I think Washington does an excellent job of preserving. Um, it's seldom that you see varietal named Cab Franc. Um, Washington's seeing it more and more. You have some guys that have been doing it for a very long time. John's certainly one of them. Mm. Um, but I love the fact that a winemaker that digs it says, yeah, I'm going to make a Cab Franc expression. And it's not going to be a red blend. It's going to be Cab Franc dominant because we make such great Cab Franc in Washington. By the way, the 25% Merlot just feeds that. Yeah, it rounds it out nicely. It rounds it out nicely, yeah. Mm-hmm. What part of Canada are you from? My parent, my, my dad is from Invermere in, uh, in the north, north central BC. <laughs> and they still live in Nelson, BC, just up the road. Just up the road. Just up the 95. Shelly, did you, did you pick that up? I, I was I able to. actually, and he didn't say washroom. So. No, he didn't say that or garage, but he did say A a number of times. Oh, I did get the A. And I'll, I'll refer to the, to, to the trunk of my car as a trunk, not a booth. 
Um, I wanted to and say. You, oh. you had no reason to say sorry, but you probably would have said but sorry. But I could. Not Maybe sorry. I would. <laughs> uh, I wanted to just say real quick some of the wines that we've had uh, this week and enjoyed. Seven Cellar Chardonnay. That's a John Elway wine. Oh, yeah. We're going to have John Elway on at some point with our Games of Grapes series. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw you had Drew and, and Dean Newman, Newman on, right? Yep. Yeah. Those wines are really – and they're great guys, eh? Yeah. Really cool. We – so Drew, not as cool as Damon. <laughs> <laughs> bow down to Washington. Just saying. <laughs> oh, it, I have to tell you this. During the course of our recording, um, they were both great. We had a really good uh, time. <laughs> but I played the fight songs to uh, Washington State, Washington, and then for Shelley's uh, USC. And um, when I did the Husky fight song, Drew um, shut his camera yeah. off. <laughs> And then when, and then when he when we played the USC song, he went, he left on that too. I'm like, I'm right with you, Drew. <laughs> and he goes, Shelly, oh, I had such high hopes for you. It was going so well. Uh, actually, uh, John's daughter is looking straight down the barrel at USC. Oh, whatever. Well, or should I say, John's looking straight down the barrel at his daughter going to USC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and Damon's brother Luke is on the coaching staff at USC. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, look, Pac-12 is Pac-12 until USC and UCLA leave them. Uh, farewell. Don't let the door slam me on the, on the way out. So we had the Seven Cellars Chardonnay uh, Arroyo Seco is where that's from. Cool. And it's a very, it's a, just a really surprise to get a John Elway wine mm-hmm. like that. Masakin Ania. What? Brand new. It is brand new. Uh, Masakin uh, Ania is an Italian white uh, from Napa. Uh, Chateau La Graviere Shelley. Entre Dumer. Thank you. Uh, we have the Monmousseau Chinon, because why wouldn't we? Yeah. Clearwater Canyon, Estate Syrah. Just can't, it's too bad that was our last bottle. We have the DeLille Chaleur Blanc, which we talked about, and the La Playa Carmenere, which one of the best value wines that we are going to have on as a featured wine at some point because it's so freaking good. And since we have, um, you on and and uh yes we have bottle joy but i can say that you can get this up at fred meyer for under seven dollars a bottle oh that's because cool. yeah it's a carmenere that's really if good you special order. if you special order because they don't stock it and it's 10 percent above cost and uh mark is there waiting for you to come by and order it it's so good. It's so good. For, and for under 10 bucks. Are you kidding me? I, yeah. I wish I could. No, don't <laughs> kid me. Don't do that. Uh, so this, we're going to end up with this wine as a, as a last thought. Uh, we'll put all the, the prices, the price points on this. Oh, I didn't. Thank you. So uh, the pri- price point on our white label signature series, between 50, right around 55 to $60 a bottle. It won't do it. Uh, this is 55, 60? 55 to 60, yeah. Um, I'll put that in the notes. Uh, and then the uh, protagonist. Protagonist. All, All of three, those. We, line, oh, we line price these. Beautiful. Uh, because, beautiful. again, the sourcing is always Connerly, Dionysus, Elfin Mountain. Mm-hmm. Those are – maybe we'll blend a little uh, Bacchus – um, or sage more fruit in, but it's predominantly the big three. Yeah. Connerly, Dionysus, Elephant. and Elephant Mountain. So let me ask you this. If any of our listeners want 
to purchase any of these wines, obviously they could to go to the website and, and get them. Sure. Or they could uh, special order, order them here in town because they're all available here in North Idaho? You know, I mean... I, that of your, to your knowledge? When all of these are available in, in, uh, in Idaho. Okay. And all of them are represented between Studio 107, Bottle Joy, Dinner Party. Really, you know, these are wines that we have a little bit of retail chain trade, which is great. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes to especially the last three that we tasted, they're really more specialty retail. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and we don't make a lot of them. I mean, that's the great thing is that we have the ability to source quality fruit to scale our readers tier. Yeah. So we can maybe find, you can find them at Fred Meyer. You can find them at maybe a Rose Edward Sure. Oaks. But then when it comes to our white label, um, these are wines that are going to be special order or I, I know suspense. In fact, I'll probably go there later on tonight. Um, Kurt has it at Bottle Joy. Yeah. For 54 bucks, which is a great price. Yep. In, in, in a place where you can sit down and have a glass. It's a, such a, just such a, and you can have your dog Great there. place. Yeah. yeah. You want yeah. a little something to eat? They got a food truck yeah, right out there. I know. And their beer selection is insane. It is insane. Uh, and if you want a little place to sit away from a lot of the noise, they have that nice little seating area in the back of the of the store there that it's just, it, it's really cool. And it's very much a, re, um, a top-notch, if you're a beer geek, <laughs> that's up uh, Kurt's alley. And Joy is going to become a psalm, so wine is up her alley. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I know that you guys have done some rebranding. The J. Bookwalter Notebook, I think most people have yes. seen that. Um, but the, the readers and I... The Double Plot Chardonnay is such a great label, and it's such a great Chardonnay. It's just a, it's outstanding wine. And by the way, it's under 30 bucks. Yep. So let's just go with that. Yep. Um, I just want to say, we first of all, thank you very much uh, for bringing this lineup of wine. We started with six bottles. We ended up with seven. <laughs> yep. And it's all fantastic. Everyone, you know where you can get this. Um, I want to say next week we've got our open that bottle wine, open that bottle night wines. We haven't decided yet, but we're going to have a saw turn for sure from Terroir, uh, from Trevor, and uh, a, a bottle from Bottle Joy that uh, Chris Cochran lost a bet with me, <laughs> and he got me a wine from Bottle Joy. Hey, hey, by the way, I might say if there's one place if you're not going to go and dig from Beverly Cellar. Trevor might be the guy, if you don't have a bottle to break out, to recommend a bottle to break out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Trevor, a good friend of ours. And uh, he's doing great things up at Terroir. And we've got some in the future. We've got Mold Wine Day on March 3rd. International Riesling Day on March 13th. Tanat Day. Tanat? Tanat or not Tanat? That's the question. Uh, that's the 14th of April. And International Malbec Day on the 17th. Edward, thank you so much for, for being with us this week. I don't believe this will end up being a two-hour episode. <laughs> so Lorraine Betts yeah. still has the record. But with a little bit of knowledge, and I think we've touched on a lot of it today, wine becomes a lot less overwhelming. Thank you for listening. See you next week when we talk about Open That Bottle Night and some of these rare gems. Shelly, ring us out. 
Located at 1208 East Sherman in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Bottle Joy is a new libation establishment for folks to peruse and enjoy. With menu items like Draft Joy, Can Joy, Bubbles and Light Joy, Mild Joy, and of course, Bottle Joy, your draft bottled and canned beer, sparkling wine, white wine, cider, and red wine tastes are all taken care of. For more information, please visit BottleJoyCDA.com or simply call 208-930-1922. BottleJoy, the Inland Northwest premier bottle shop and tap house. At The Social Web, we believe that small businesses are the heart of the community and that social media enables small business owners and professionals to compete with larger brands without the huge marketing budget that the larger brands can afford. If you are ready to honor your business and yourself by taking control of your social media marketing, visit thesocialweb.news for more information. The Social Web and The Social Web Inner Circle, helping you untangle the web of social media marketing. Thank you for spending part of your day to wind down with Shelly and Phil. Remember, you can listen to any episode of the Wine Time Fridays podcast by visiting winetimefridays.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us on our Wine Time Fridays Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube channel, or on Twitter, which is at Vintage Tweets, for daily conversation. Until next week, here's our toast to you. To health, wealth, abundance, gratitude, peace on earth, and of course, romance.